What we don't find much is that a, a, an actual Islamic-based discussion for the youth on how to spiritually kind of go about and navigate these issues and calamities that are uh, in, in the world, right? And so essentially this, this podcast, the Bottom of the World podcast, um, we're trying to uh, understand where we are, you know, at the bottom of the well, and then sort of work towards, I guess, coming out of that well. Um, and, and if you guys haven't noticed, that name is actually inspired by um, the story of Yusuf salam, where he was thrown to the thrown at the bottom of the well by his brothers, um, and that sort of sparked the beginning of his journey, right? So he had the dream, and after he had the dream, he was thrown to the bottom of the well, and that's when his sort of prophetic journey began, um, distinguishing him from his brothers and making him the, the the grand prophet that he ended up becoming. Alhamdulillah wa salati wa salamu ala rasulillah Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone Welcome to the first episode of Bottom of the Well podcast So this is a podcast that I'm going to be doing with some friends It's a relatively laid back discussion But we're going to try and make this a bit more focused on Islamic issues And on an, on an Islamic kind of awareness of certain issues that are affecting the youth That are affecting um, our generation Specifically you know, people that are living in the West, right? Because we're, we're faced with a lot of issues, a lot of calamities and a lot of fitna that has come about because of um, the societies that we live in. And so w- with the whole name, Bottom of the Well, that sort of is trying to encapsulate that kind of idea where we're, we're co- we're sort of been, we've sort of been thrown at the bottom of the well. Um, not many of us kind of, you know, know how to go about combating the, the the issues that are around in our world in our world not the world but in our world um, and, and so it's it's very important to have a discussion about this um, and, and so that's what this podcast is inshallah going to be so before we get into the actual podcast let's actually say you know who are we basically right so I am Muhammad Huda um, a lot of people call me Huda because there's a an absurd amount of Muhammads in, in the world I, sh- I shouldn't say absurd a, a wonderful amount of Muhammad's in the world, so a lot of people call me Hura, and I'm joined today by a good friend of mine, Nibris Haq. Assalamu alaikum, bro. Wa alaikum assalam. How you been? Good, good, thanks. Yeah, alhamdulillah, that's good to hear. All right, so he's going to be joining me, and we're going to be doing the first episode where we're just going to be discussing, generally speaking, some of the main issues that are affecting, um, you know, a lot of us, and, and how we can go about sort of maybe... Um, rectifying them at a more core Islamic level. So what we find with a lot of podcasts, especially a lot of, um, you know, podcasts that are run by our generation is, yeah, we discuss a lot of issues on the surface. You know, we discuss the, we discuss political issues. We discuss issues with government. We discuss issues with, you know, like Palestine. And those are all, um, you know, issues that needs to be discussed. You know, we discuss issues with social media, mental health, general media, all that kind of stuff. And that conversation's being done and that's great alhamdulillah for um the brothers and sisters that are you know allowing that uh, discussion to continue what we don't find much is that an actual islamic based discussion for the youth on how to spiritually kind of go about and navigate these issues and calamities that are uh, in in the world right and so essentially this this podcast the bottom of the world podcast um we're trying to uh understand where we are you know, at the bottom of the well, and then sort of work towards, I guess, coming out of that well. Um, and and if you guys haven't noticed, that name is actually inspired by um, the story of Yusuf salam, where he was thrown to the thrown at the bottom of the well by his brothers, um, and that sort of sparked the beginning of his journey. Right, so he had the dream, and after he had the dream, he was thrown to the bottom of the well, 
and that's when his sort of prophetic journey began um, distinguishing him from his brothers and making him the, the the grand prophet that he ended up becoming right um, and so that's where we sort of uh, get our inspiration for the podcast name and inshallah we'll try and keep that vibe as well where um, it's that idea of trying to understand that we're what situation we're in and trying to get out of it um, inshallah um, just to specify so this is not a knowledge-based podcast so neither me nor nibris are qualified scholars we're not qualified students of knowledge we're not even qualified students of students of knowledge and so none of nothing that we're going to be discussing today is is going to be a, uh, a a podcast where you can take knowledge from at the very core of it it might be a reminder it might allow you to maybe contemplate and maybe even start your own journey at seeking knowledge through the appropriate means not through podcasts but through actual qualified sheikhs and scholars um, that have studied um, for many many years with other sheikhs and scholars right so this is just a disclaimer for that um, basically just going to be a very good reminder and at the core of it i don't even really um, my goal isn't really to gain mass amount of viewers and have people um, you know like change their life through the podcast at, at the very core of it my bottom line is essentially if i if this can be a re- avenue for me to gain a closer relationship with my uh with my creator then then that's successful and anything beyond that is is just a blessing from allah and it's, it's icing on the cake right all right so let's get into it so just an introduction for me um i am currently in my first year of study at the university of new south wales i'm studying medicine um and I'm joined with Nibras today, who is also studying at UNSW, um, and he's studying engineering and commerce. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, so he's doing a double degree, engineering and commerce. And so he's in second year, I'm in first year. Um, and we're going to be, I guess, discussing some of the uh, topics today. So, Nibras, my first question with you is, you know, we were, we, we've known each other for a while. You know, we've, we've actually known each other since we were in year five. We haven't really talked much until we were in year seven. Um, how, I guess, you know, how, how, how has Islam played a role in your life, you know, throughout your entire life in, in terms of, you know, how do you, how, what does your journey to Islam look like? Well, really, I think it starts with most young Muslims from their parents, uh, just hearing stories and memorizing surahs here and there. Uh, I used to go to a Saturday school at a mosque when I was very young. And after leaving that, I think I sort of fell off, to be honest. Uh, really didn't pay much attention to the deen or anything Islamically related. Uh, swept away until high school, I guess, with studying exams. And then uh, now in high school, we actually had a uh, Islamic Brothers Association. Yeah, so it was the um, we had like what was it, Steba, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so the first thing that you mentioned was you went to um, Saturday school, right? Yeah. How was that? Go into that a bit more. Okay, I think this highlights a pretty big issue with our Western world. Is it was in a mosque. It was with other kids learning Quran and learning about stories from the Quran. But we still like, you know, in some ways it was worse, a worse environment than my current primary school. Mm. Why was that? So you also had all these different kids there 
there wasn't very much segregation. There was segregation to an extent, but not as much as there should have been. Uh, I think the kids there also had that, you know, they used to swear and say innuendos and things. It was it wasn't a great environment to be in. It was just you know, kids who are growing up in this world today. It's sort of inevitable inevitable that you end up with a couple that are like that, and you don't really end up focusing on your studies at that Saturday school. You know, it's it's just laughing mm. around, wasting time until you get to the break, and then that's just you know playing outside. Right. And there wasn't really too much learning going on. So. Yeah. So I guess you know the, the idea of um, nurturing like knowledge was probably what you were missing in that time, right? Yeah. It was more. I I I mean, it's it's still a good experience, I'd say, because you're still in the masjid. Um, you know, there's barakah in the masjid. Um, you're 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 you still have a chance to like you're still you know learning bit of Quran maybe you know you're uh, memorizing some surahs and even if it's little I guess that is it's it's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, but obviously it wasn't it wasn't the the, the best of best right. It's not it's not like, yeah, like I, I wouldn't have you know traded it for anything else. Yeah, anything like I wouldn't have not gone because some of the things I learned there are still with me today. And for example, my love for knowledge from the Quran, like the stories from the Quran, I really had, I had a teacher, Brother Hakim here. I don't know where he is now, but he was very passionate about teaching us those stories. And as yeah. a young kid, that's something I still remember now. And I'll read something in the Quran every now and then, and I'll remember and that I learned that you, you heard it from, from back then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you're a child at that like age, those things stick with you. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing once, um, that uh, when you know these nursery rhymes that you hear when you're a kid, you never forget them, right? Like you could you could say the first few words of a nursery rhyme, like the wheels on the bus, and you can finish that off, right? And, and, and it's it's crazy because you know it's it's there's a saying that you know when you're a child, your 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 brain's like a sponge, right? You just absorb yeah. everything, and, and and if we can sort of have this um, nurturing of knowledge at that young age. That's gonna stick with the child. Even like you find that's why you find like so many hufas becoming or finishing their hips at such a young age. Like they're just absorbing the Quran completely, right? And imagine instead of a nursery rhyme, you have a surah there, right? You're not gonna, you know, you're never gonna forget that. Yeah. Um, and so, as you said, like you read these stories now later on, and you're like, you know, I've, I remember this story, and, and and that's something beautiful, right? All right, let's keep going then. So. That was like your primary school. Now let's move into high school. So yeah, so high school yeah. we had the Islamic Brothers Association, Steba, as he said, yeah. um, and that's sort of where you know we really developed into. Well, I wouldn't say what we are today, but very close to what we are today, and uh, it was just a nice community to have. Like you could. It was a nice environment to be in compared to primary school where there wasn't really any community with the Muslims or any sort of recognition of each other, I guess. It was definitely a turning point, right? Yeah. Like, for me at least, I remember that being as... You know, year six for me was peak, right? It was like peak... I don't, I don't want to say peak haram, but like it, it was as bad as it gets with, with at least so far, alhamdulillah, right? Um, and, and year seven, it was a, it was a very strong turning point where all of a sudden I was surrounded by people that were Muslims. I was surrounded by older brothers that were good Muslims, yeah. 
and really that sense of community with you know actual like proper people to learn from right and and it's it's not that idea of like oh you felt like you had a place where you're be- you belong now mm. I'm, I'm very much against that idea of like oh you know feel like oh i'm so happy to be belonging somewhere it's more that idea of you have a really strong um network of people there to yeah. really show you what islam is right because there wasn't many opportunities for that to happen you have maybe your parents but you know that can only go so far yeah um and then yeah i guess you have your saturday school i mean personally for me i had my own saturday school but it was just me with a teacher and just learning quran so it wasn't like i had a network of people or anything like that um it was just something i had to do every week and get out of the way and then move on right um and so that was something that was really good for us where we had that network of people to really learn from yeah yeah i think that was where everything sort of picked up going into year 11 and 12 i think we sort of because we were the ones then taking over the steba group the islamic brothers association and with all our studies and things, we didn't really have many people attending. Uh, yeah, it sort of it sort of calmed down, let's say. Uh, and then let's be honest, that was a proper drought. Yeah. So what happened was when we were in year seven and eight, we had like a lot of older brothers in like ten, eleven, twelve. Um, but then as every year went by, more and more left, and not many started. I guess not many of the younger years started to come, and, and there was even more difficulties. You know, you had the full um scandal thing with sydney boys and like some students going to join isis or something um and that had repercussions on our prayer groups and um you know having like a teacher to uh, monitor and like recording stuff and having to move the rooms and like a, a lot of new rules and stuff came about that didn't really help us in the best of ways alhamdulillah we still were able to continue we um we still had that group going it did have it did grow feeble and weak um especially when we were focused on our studies and you know there weren't that many people there to really um direct its events and stuff like that um but yeah, go on. What happened in year 11 and 12? Yeah, uh, so we didn't have too many guys from younger years showing up to the prayer room every lunch. And I think that sort of, it sort of diminished the sense of community we had, or like the the sense of guidance, I guess. Uh, and as the older boys left, I think the sort of, the vibe of the whole school changed, I feel mm. like for us. Yeah, 100%. Things very much became more depressing, I guess. Uh, and yeah, we became engulfed in our studies. We did our HSC. That happened. Right, yeah. I think, I don't know how it was for you, but for me, it was a pretty weak point in my DNA. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I, w- I would probably agree as well because, especially so. In year 12, you have to do the HSE. I'm just saying this just in case there's some non-Australian viewers, but... Oh, actually, non-New South Wales viewers. But um, the HSE is basically your final exam that you do in year 12, right? Um, and obviously, in that point, you're very focused on your studies and making sure that you can get a good mark. And unfortunately, what happens is you start to... And, and, and it's unfortunate. I don't want to phrase it like this, but I, 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 I'm struggling with words currently. Um, but you kind of stop relying on Allah at that point and you're like, I need to focus on actually studying because, you know, that's that's what everyone's doing, right? 
you know, you're 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 very unlikely to be pr- uh, staying up and praying the hajjud um, and putting that trust in Allah that you know you'll do your best, but ultimately it's Allah that provides those results or whatnot, right? There was very much a lack of that, and more so focus on all right, I'll, I'll leave everything for now, I'll focus on my studies, and then afterwards maybe I'll you know I'll come back to all of this. Yeah. That was the attitude, I guess. Um, and on top of that, you know, most of us were having classes at different times. We were leaving early. We weren't interacting as much. So that sense of community was slowly dissolving because focus on studies and not as much interactions, I guess. Um, and it didn't... And the, and the group, the Steba group, the, the Islamic Brothers Association, it, it was also at its kind of... It, also its turning point of, of the lowest point. Um, eventually the, the later years took over and I think it's, it's still going today and it's going strong, um, inshallah. But um, it was definitely... There was not much going on at that point. And I guess that is another issue, you know, the, the idea of um, dealing with exams and education and also balancing your deen, right? Mm. But I guess what we have to understand is what's your goal? It's your, is your goal the dunya or the akhirah? Like, what are you doing your education for? Are you doing it to get a degree? Okay, good. If you're doing it to do a degree, why are you wanting to do a degree? Is it because you want to earn money? Okay, why do you want to earn money? And eventually, if you're whys or your series of whys are ending up at, at, at the dunya right instead of the akhirah then all that effort is kind of pointless at the end of the day because anything that's for the dunya is not necessarily going to benefit you in the akhirah because it, it's, it's just going to it's, it's going to end right so like if you're if you're studying so you can get into um, the best degree so that you can earn lots of money so that you can be rich and, and enjoy the dunya then I mean that's not going to have much Islamic implications and you're going to find yourself um, not caring that much about Islam because your focus is on the dunya. Whereas if you want to earn a, you know, a good income so that you can support a family and that you can you know, foster children that, um, and nurture children that also grow up and become good Muslims and that you have money so that you can go study and have um, the opportunities to understand your religion and you know, earn an income in a halal way and all those kind of more akhira-focused um, reasons, then you'll find that I- in your education, yes, you're studying, but you're also making sure that you're not losing, compromising on your deen, right? And that's something I think that isn't really emphasised as much, especially in our parenting. Like, I, I don't want to fault our parents, and, and, and I give credit to them a lot, but oftentimes, you know, one thing that I've heard is that... Um, Parents will always make sure that their son wakes up and goes to school, mm. but that level of, um, I guess, fear of like missing a school day is not applied to like Fajr, for example, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think it was Mufti Menk or someone that talked about it. I think a lot of people have actually talked about it. But um, yeah, it's definitely we need to make sure we understand what our priorities are, um, and that we're not compromising on our deen because it's easy to or because it's convenient um, because ultimately it's Allah that provides everything right he's our razaq um, if you do, did well that was because Allah gave you that blessing and you know if you're not if you're not someone that's practicing Islam and you've done well and what I mean by practicing Islam is yeah you're a Muslim but you're not conscious about your deen mm. that can actually be a test by giving you good results that can actually be a test are you going to use that as a means to come back to your Lord? Or is that something that's going to keep stray you further away? 
And it comes back to that hadith, which everyone knows, you know, a wonderful is the affair of the believer. Um, if something good happens, then he's grateful. If something bad happens, then um, he's patient and steadfast, right? Yeah. Um, it's very famous hadith. I don't know the exact, probably in Bukhari Muslim. Um, but, but yeah, as in we want to be in that state, especially when it comes to education. All right, let's keep moving. Year 12 has ended. What's happening? Yeah, so uh, we had a three-month break, I think. I think it was three months. Roughly. Yeah, I mean, we had a three-month break in between uh, HSC and uh, university. Yeah. And that break, I think, was pretty... Not much happened, let's say. Uh, I barely remember anything anyway. Yeah, I think... When did you leave? Yeah, so I... No, I left... I mean, I was starting to leave in January. So I actually moved to Gold Coast, which is another city, um, to study for a year. Um, and so my entire holidays was basically that. So I didn't really have, like I had a lot of stuff going on, but it was more so focused on that stuff, yeah. I don't know what happened with you in the holidays. Yeah, I don't remember much, remember much to be honest. The one thing I do remember is you moving away was yeah. pretty... Uh, let's say it did a lot of damage to our little friend group of yeah. like for while, there's yeah. four of us right and having one less person is very different from having everyone present there and mm -hmm. i think it was a lot more difficult to you know reinforce that importance on having the having islam as your like main goal in life uh mm -hmm. yeah and i think when university started, that's when things were really tough because university itself is very physically taxing and your mental state once you start in the first few weeks is not great. Yeah. And when you're hanging around with people that aren't Muslim, which you will most likely will be doing in university. To a certain extent, you like, it's, it's inevitable, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't avoid that. Yeah. I'm not like, you shouldn't, I'm not encouraging it. It's just something that yeah, will happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're gonna be, sort of in a weak mental state and you're gonna be adopting some of the things that they want to do and some of the goals that they have so in the first few weeks of uni i found myself looking to like talk to as many people as i can mm. just have people like me i guess and that did a lot of damage in my overall perception of uni because uni became something like a like every time i would go onto campus it would be a social thing it would be a, a test sort of, you know, Right. Yeah. you have to make sure that everyone likes you or you have to mm. like, you have people to talk to in class. And I think that really it took a long time to get over. Uh, the good thing was lockdown kicked in four weeks into you. I'm doing that. I'm doing <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's really where I started to contemplate where I was going in life. Right. Okay, before we get to that, because that's, that's, that's a big one, right? That's a big part. You know, the idea about friends, um, and, and obviously we know the hadith, or very famous hadith, um, that you're on the religion of your friend, yeah. right? Um, and that just that doesn't apply in terms of like specific religion in terms of, I think I don't even think it was religion, I think it was deen. You're on the deen of your friend, right? And deen doesn't necessarily mean Islam, Christianity, Judaism, right? It, it just means the, like your, the way that you live or your lifestyle, or what you worship mm -hmm. is you're going to be sharing that with your friends. And so having a community or a, a surrounding network of people that share, or like a friendship, right? That share, you know, a love for Islam, a love for the Akhirah, um, 
and 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 uh, worshippers of Allah specifically worshippers of Allah specific um, you know that's going to ensure that you can also stay on on the right path i guess but it, it is very difficult when you have a bunch of non-muslim friends especially in university because that's the transition when people start to um, i guess explore right so you know stuff like drinking begins mm-hmm. stuff like relationships begin um, especially from moving from a um, like a uh, a what's it what's it called a school that has only one gender <laughs> the opposite of co-ed right yeah. uh, so we, we went to a male a boys only school right and so now moving from that to a co-ed environment um, obviously you're going to have like relationships happening um, and, and and interactions with the opposite gender dealing with that um, alcohol I already talked about that but but the, these kind of things and, and and the outings that happen you know the the hangouts and stuff not necessarily the best of environments mm-hmm. um, and and if you don't have that Islamic kind of connection to anyone and you're ending up finding yourself um, with with a bunch of I mean, it's it's. I'm not even like talking bad about it, but if you have a bunch of non-Muslim friends that are doing those kind of activities, ultimately, it's gonna be. It's either gonna be you join them in that or you leave them completely, right? Yeah. It's very hard to be friends with a group of people and not do anything that they do, mm. um, and still be able to stay as friends, right? Yeah. And even if you aren't doing anything that they do, you going along with them is sort of an encouragement for them to keep doing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, what it was, was since I moved to the Gold Coast, a, you know, it's, it's still a city that hasn't had enough Islamic influence, I guess. Like Sydney, Alhamdulillah, has a really strong uh, Islamic community. Gold Coast, still developing, right? And so in my year, I only had one other Muslim. And Alhamdulillah, for at least one Muslim. Um, because I don't know what would have happened without that one Muslim. Um, and so there was a lot I had a lot of friends that weren't Muslim and a lot of things were happening and you know I remember there was a party that was going to happen and I was this close to attending I literally like I, I was I was ready to go outside but I was just procrastinating it and and alhamdulillah for that I think you know Allah made me waste time and just procrastinate so that I just end up sacking it which I did um, but look if lockdown didn't kick in which is a good segue mm-hmm. lockdown didn't kick in you know, who, Allahu Alam, right? Who knows what would have happened then, right? Yeah. Um, lockdown really saved me and sounds like it saved you. And, and and I've only, like, obviously lockdown, you know, it was it was terrible. COVID was going around and people were dying and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I, we've, we've lost a lot of Islamic figures from COVID as well. Um, uh, I think there is a hadith that if you die from a plague that you're granted the status of martyrdom. So... Um, there's that but but in terms of lockdown for us it it for me definitely it was a very positive experience because um it really i actually came back to sydney because you know everything's closed why am i going to stay by myself in in a city alone i'll come back to sydney with my family and as soon as i did come back they closed the borders i couldn't go back all my stuff was in gold coast it was almost like a lot took everything in terms of like materialistic from me and then just put me in my room and is like, like, like literally like go study the religion because that's literally all you have to do, mm. right? And it was such a blessing um, and it was definitely a ma- massive turning point for me. So what about for you? How, how did that look? 
Yeah, uh, for me, the first year of lockdown, so 2019, was very difficult. Um, uni was still going. Uh, it was all online, so it wasn't very engaging, let's say. Uh, mm. I think that's when I started to wonder, do I really want to do this degree? Do I really want to go to uni? Did I make the right choice? Uh, you know, maybe not studying harder to get into a better degree or studying less to get into something I enjoy more. Uh, and that's when I really started to think about Islam a lot more because my whole life I knew Islam was the only, like the only true, like the only true objective that you could argue is just you know you can't there's nothing that refutes it i guess yeah other people would have objectives like uh career i, I want to start a family like there's yeah. always the what would you do after that you know right right and i think i was sort of distracting myself with the dunya up until that point and that's when i decided you know i should probably look into this stuff more mm. It wasn't like an explicit decision. It was just more like a, an interest. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, especially like it, it's lockdown, but literally the entire dunya was on lockdown, right? Yeah. And so when the dunya is literally locked up, yeah. where are you going to start looking? Yeah, and, to go. yeah, and so you start looking towards the akhirah, right? And it's a, it's a natural process. It's not something that... It, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of people did start becoming more Islamic in the lockdown. Um, you know, everyone just... Consciously or decided to look into Islam I don't think that's the case I think genuinely having the dunya taken from us Essentially that's what it was mm. um, you, you, You're left with not much Right yeah. um, and, and, and it also explains I guess you know the, the rates of depression and stuff that went up For the people that maybe not, didn't have that outlet To go and explore for example Islam um, You know that could have been a very depressing time for them Yeah Yeah so Let's keep moving then. So, how 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 did it work? how did it look? So, uh, twenty nineteen uni was pretty difficult. That brought me closer to what I thought was the truth, genuinely. And twenty twenty hits. Uh, this guy comes back, Mohammed. Mm-hmm. He comes back from Gold Coast. He's here doing. Uh, you, I think you got the no. You got the years wrong. Twenty twenty was lockdown. I come back 2021. Oh, yeah, we graduated 2019. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. We're just um, one year off. Yeah, 2021, you come back. Yeah. Uh, which is this year. Yes. <laughs> this year is uh, 2021. Feels a lot longer <laughs> than this year. Almost over. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that really brought everyone back together again. It was, you know, I was hanging out less with my non Muslim friends, uh, doing more MSA stuff. Right, the MSA really played a big part. Let's talk about the MSA now. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the Islamic Boys Association that we had in high school, MSA was literally a step up from that, yeah, right? Massive. Uh, massive step up. Everyone was back. It was like the good old days in Year 7, um, but even more, right? And so as soon as you start surrounding yourself with a good community who understand the religion, who are practicing the religion, it's a massive influence and not even influence it it's just it's a blessing in the regards that you you know that islam's true and you know that you should be worshiping allah but you don't really know how to you need like demonstration almost right um and so when you see these boys that are in the msa um 
uh, Allahumma barik to all of them But you know, when you see them all And that, you know, for me it was I've, I didn't even realize people like this existed, right? Yeah. That's what I've always said I didn't realize people I, I genuinely was very cynical about the ummah I thought we were lost, right? I thought we're done There's, there's no good Muslims anymore But no, alhamdulillah There's, there's some really good Muslims still um, and so they're a massive influence And, and they, that was a huge, huge part for me and, and it was actually one of the main reasons I came back from Gold Coast um, And made the decision to try and study in Sydney again um, Did you ever manage to find your underground MSA at Griffith? Nah, so yeah So it, it, they didn't have an MSA in, 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 in Gold Coast, right? Um, and, and so obviously that kind of community wasn't really there And it's because the uni didn't let them Like it's, it's so dumb But... You know, I heard my friend who started getting involved in in the MSA um, in 2020, and I was like, you know, I, I need a Muslim community. I need to surround myself in a Muslim community. Otherwise, you know, I'm gone, basically. Um, and so that was a huge motivating factor to come back um, or try to come back. And Alhamdulillah paved the way for that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, from there, it's, it's basically history for me, essentially um, working on getting better every day, and, and just surrounding yourself with good company like that, um, there's there's no there's no greater blessing in my eyes thus far. Yeah, like this sort of off topic, I guess. Uh, one thing I was surprised about was how much the unis go against, like they actively go against the Islamic lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. So, the first thing you encounter when you go to uni is societies. Mm -hmm. And societies are funded, run by students, but funded by the university. Mm -hmm. And they're allowed to run these camps. And at the camps, it's basically the furthest you can get from halal. Yeah, I don't think we're going to go into details. Yeah, we won't go into details. But it's, it's, pretty, um, it's not an Islamic environment. Let's say that. Yeah. And I didn't think the unis, you know, coming from a government school, that's all regulations. Our camps were just like, you have to be with a teacher, you know, if you take one step outside. Uh, and these societies are just running like things they would run with friends, or even worse. Uh, the MSA is such a gem in that aspect. It's such a, like, it's the antithesis of all of that. Yeah, it's, it, it's, the MSA is a society, but it's such a, like, it's a safe haven for right, yeah. on campus. Right, yeah. And it's, it's really... It's really fascinating and it's, a, it's actually like I'm glad you brought this up because it's a very interesting idea because they're all government funded or uni, uni funded um, and they're all societies that the uni's supporting essentially but what you find is that the non-Muslim societies are veering towards one way and the Muslim society, the MSA is the complete different direction, right? Mm -hmm. And so... You know who's deciding the direction there i think there's a conversation to be had in terms of you know why are those societies going in that direction why is the muslim society going in the other direction right i think there's a conversation there to be had maybe a long one but it's very interesting that although the msa is still a society as you said and still funded by the uni it's a safe haven it's a gem in all that it's the antithesis of all the haram that's going on surrounding it um there's, there's some good metaphors to be said there, but I'll leave it at that. Um, and yeah, so... Yeah, so continuing on, uh, you came back, we started going to more MSA events together. Uh, we went to a couple of debates, which were really 
philosophically based, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which really convinced me of the point, uh, you know, that it is true, even though you know there's the philosophical aspect isn't really. I mean, it's it's, it, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not it's not the dean, yeah. but it helps you arrive yeah. at the dean. Right? It was it was a good transition. I, guess. I think everyone goes through that phase where you sort of are very, I think, absolved is the word. Like really. Um, I guess engaged in the the debates and the arguments and the proofs um, and everything that allows you to come to Islam and, and it's it's everything that relates to Dawah basically right yeah. and and it's good because that's how non-Muslims essentially come to Islam right um, and how they con- convert and so it's similar for the not as practicing Muslim to also come through that route as well and so you really start to go into those arguments you start watching like Muhammad Hijab Ali yeah. Dawah you know the big Dawah guys yeah. um, you go to the debates and, and it's a really good transition into actually getting into the deen and, 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 and learning more about it alright so I think that sort of recaps up to this point right yeah. um, and we've talked about a lot of issues um, and we and we've talked about you know what was specifically lacking previously in our Islam, um, and and it really was a good you know community and whatnot to help foster that. You you know you're worshiping Allah at the end of the day. You're not worshiping money. You're not worshiping fame. You're not worshiping um, your desire to be rich or your desire to do whatever. You know, you you are worshiping Allah, and a community and a good network definitely helps reinforce that. But I guess, you know, we have a lot of younger people, right? And we have, it's no doubt that we do have a lot of people in situations where they might not have that with them. They might be a bit lost. They might, st- they might still be Muslims, but they, n- they might not necessarily um, be as conscious of their deen as they, they, as they should, potentially. So, and that's a characteristic we'd definitely, I think, describe to our younger selves. So what would you, if you could go back in time and go to your younger self and give some advice, what would you actually say to your younger self? It's a big question, but... I think the one thing I realised after leaving high school was what other people think about you doesn't really justify anything. Right. It doesn't dictate anything in your life. It's not going to help you later on. Uh, And really, like, put more importance on your Muslim friends than your non-Muslim friends. I think that Mm -hmm. is the big thing. Because they're going to, even if they're not strong practices or anything, they are going to push you to a direction that is better than what a non-Muslim friend would. Yeah. Because there's always going to be that sort of, that Islamic perspective looming over everything you talk about. Uh, yeah, because in high school, I think I found myself really trying to fit into a group. Yeah. 100%. And you've talked about this before, I know. <laughs> Uh, really trying to fit into a group is something that you think you should do really but it's not something that you can really force and it's not something so I, I feel like you always think that you should try and fit in yeah. but there's not actually a need to fit in yeah, yeah. it's not like it's the end of the world if you're not fitting in right but I think there is that innate desire like that FOMO kind of um, aspect where that oh I need, I, need, I need a group to fit into uh, yeah keep going yeah because you know, you might be alone at school, but there's the entire world out there. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. There's other Muslims out there. There's, you know, we're meant to be the strangers. Mm. Uh, 
and I think there's a lot uh, there's a lot more I don't, there's a lot more comfort in being alone and pursuing what you want to pursue or what you think is important to pursue than being with a group of people that yeah. where you're just pursuing what the the crowd thinks you know 100 yeah because at the end of the day you reach an end point in your life where you're like what have I achieved what have I achieved what have I been pursuing and with the non-Muslim friends you're not going to feel fulfilled at all yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head here right it's the idea of this modern phenomenon it's not really a modern phenomenon but it's definitely affected us in a way that hasn't before and it's the idea of trying to please other people trying to fit in with the group trying to make other people happy trying to do things for other people right I don't know why it's happened to the extent that it has in our modern day but it's something that definitely um, I would say is one of the top issues for the Muslim youth people living in the West um, you know this this Instagram culture and when I say Instagram culture I don't specifically mean like specifically Instagram but it's that idea of posting things for likes trying to get people's attention, trying to turn as many heads as you can, trying to do whatever extreme thing you can. It's a TikTok thing as well. How can you sort of gain as much attention? The idea of clout, right? And I'm very passionate about this idea. How, you know, we're so focused on um, making people like us and making, being um, accepted. You know, there's these whole movements of accepting people um, various different groups of people and trying to make new groups for people to be accepted into. You know, people are literally trying to group them, like, like you know, group them in, like, become smaller groups of people, right? And, like, have certain identities to fit into. Um, you know, I'm just going to say it. You know, the LGBT community, I'm just saying it. People, get, like, creating new groups to be, uh, to have an identity on, to fit into to um, be accepted of it, it, it's all layered and there's so many it flows into so many different aspects of our lives and our societies and whatnot but at the core of it it is that idea of trying to make people um, accept you like you be able to fit in um, and doing things for other people and this actually segues perfectly into what we we're going to talk about later um, in the latter portion of the podcast which is basically this idea that when you're in that state of trying to please the people, you aren't actually, it's not, capa- it's not capable of you to be worshipping Allah at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. You can't worship two things at the same time, right? That just doesn't work. You're either in a state, you're always in a state of worship of something and it's either Allah or it's something else. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter what other thing it is. It, it's all the same. It's all null. It's all pointless. It's either Allah or something else, right? And when you're, pleasing or when your goal is to please the people gain attention gain likes essentially you're worshiping the people yeah. right or you're worshiping your desire of feeling good when people mm. um notice you or whatever right and so we, we, we have we, we have the clear quran ayats right allah says i cre- only only create a jinn and mankind to worship me and since surah dhariyat ayat 56 um, and then Surah Yunus, uh, Ayat 18, they worship instead of Allah what can neither harm them nor help them. You know, this idea that you said where um, pleasing the people, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have any bearings, right? It, it doesn't, it, there's no benefit to it, there's no harm to it if you're pleasing the people or you're doing things to make people like you. Um, they say, you know, these are our intercessors with Allah. Say, would you inform Allah of something about which he does not know, either in the heavens or on the earth? May he be glorified and exalted above what they associate with him. So there's very, uh, it's not, and there's, there's hundreds of ayat. You know, shirk is obviously the thing that's refuted the most in the Quran. 
it's not something that um um that 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 is 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 talked lightly of um and, and and so this idea of trying to please the people that can actually fall into the idea of shirk right and so people might think, oh, shirk is just, you know, worshipping um, idols and stone statues and stuff like that. But no, this, this is something that's very clearly established in the deen. And I'm going to let the hadith speak for itself, right? So we have Abu Sayyid narrates that the Messenger of Allah said, Should I not tell you what I fear for you more than the Messiah, than Al-Masih al-Dajjal? So the Dajjal, right? What the Prophet fears for us more than the Dajjal. He says, um, or the, 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 the companion said, of course. Um, and then the Prophet ﷺ said, hidden shirk or minor shirk. A person stands to pray and then realizing that someone is watching him, beautifies it. So that's an example that the Prophet's given. And can you see how perfectly he has captured the culture that's been created today, right? The idea of people are looking, let me make it, let me beautify it, right? If people are turning heads, let me, let me make it seem good for the people. It's very much, if you look at the core of it, it's about pleasing the people or making people um, you know, see you in a, give you attention, praise you and whatnot, right? That's something that's, that's plagued our youth. That's something we need to focus on. We need to make sure that we're not actually doing things for the people anymore. And, and this is something that reoccurring, it's, it's called ostentation, it's ostentation, right? Or ostent, being ostentatious. Um, and, and this is definitely something, and it's and it, because of technology and stuff. Obviously, it's been propagated um, and, and intensified further. Um, technology definitely has not helped it because you can reach more people, and because you can reach more people, there's more eyes, more potential eyes for people to see. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's more. There's there's more. Um, I guess exposure that's possible, and because there's more exposure possible. You, you enjoy that exposure more, right? I mean, it, it's a natural reaction, right? If, if someone, if you get a million likes on a post, there's no doubt about that you'll feel good, right? Yeah. But I can bet that the scholars and the companions and the best of people, the best of the prophets, they would never care about, you know, the people essentially, right? There was never a focus on getting a large number of people. There was a focus on delivering the message and making people worship a lot. If that happened, it, did, it didn't matter if they, were, if they were the poor people, if they were the rich people, it didn't matter who they were. The goal was deliver the message of, a message of um, there being no God except Allah and making sure that Allah is being worshipped, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, recently I heard the example of um, that the Prophet ﷺ had the opportunity to talk with the rich people, but the poor people couldn't sit with them and... Allah sent down the ayat. I forgot exactly what the ayat were, but um, refuting that that idea of sitting with the rich people and not let, because the rich people didn't want to sit with the poor people, the rich the mushrikeen of the Quraysh, um, and and he said no, and he sat down with the poor people and he had a gather, gathering with the poor people, and so Allah raised the status of the poor people. So it doesn't matter, um, you know, the number of people that are Muslim. It doesn't matter um, who they are or whatnot. You know, obviously we've if 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 I don't know, Drake likes your post, people would be going crazy, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, we need, we need to come to the understanding that um, this is something that the Prophet has already warned about. Mm-hmm. So Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali also said, um, the first to be hurled into the fire from the servants who acknowledge Tawheed will be the ostentatious. So the scholar, the mujahid, and the one who gave in charity. This is because a small amount of ostentation amounts to shirk. 
Note that Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali is a big scholar, right? He says, the ostentatious looks to criteria, creation sorry, for a return with respect to his deeds because of his ignorance of the greatness of the creator. He imprints false stamps in the name of the, uh, of the kind or king, I think is maybe in the name of the king, in order to pilfer money. He pretends that he is from the elite of that king, yet in reality he does not even know him. The ostentatious carves the picture of the king on counterfeit money that it may gain currency, but it only finds way past the, un- that, the uncritical. Basically, what he's saying is there's a lack of knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's a worshipping of the people because of the ignorance of, of who Allah basically is. Mm. I think that's a good way to end, end off the podcast, right? The, the main message being understanding who Allah is and making sure that we're actually worshipping him properly in the activities that we're doing. So we talked about the idea of education and worshipping Allah in education. We talked about the idea of you know going to university, navigating all these different fitna that's around us. It's it's not an easy thing to do, um, and and we fall, we can fall into that trap of starting to worship people, right? Um, and technology does not help that at all. Um, so I think that's a great way to end off the podcast. Um, if you guys enjoyed, there's not really a like subscribe thing on Spotify. I think if you're the, the, the podcast is on Spotify, I think YouTube probably share with your friends. Apple podcast, you can share with your friends. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the main goal of this is even if this has shifted you even slightly an inch closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that's more than I could ever ask for. Um, I would encourage understanding and seeking out knowledge of who Allah is. Finding out who Allah is, seek that knowledge, worship Him. You know, knowledge is a huge aspect um, and, and understand why He deserves to be worshipped. Because when you understand why He deserves to be worshipped, then naturally you, you you will worship him inshallah so with that being said i'll end off the podcast today be sure to look out for our second episode where we'll dive more deeply into um more concerning topics and other ways that the youth are suffering and how we can slowly but surely navigate out of this well um so this has been the bottom of the world podcast um and until next time i'll see you guys next time I'll see you guys later. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika wa shadu la ilaha illa ant wa astaghfirullah wa atubu ilaik. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.